Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. If you walk into a sports stadium, no matter what sport they're playing in the stadium, they all have one thing in common. They all have scoreboards. People keep score. Uh, each game has certain rules. And each game has certain ways to score. And the one who has the highest totals is usually the one who wins. And the nature of illusion is like that. In the world of illusion, people keep score. And not only do people look at other people and keep score as to them, we all have an inner scorekeeper that keeps score as to us. So we all have this internal system that sort of gauges for ourselves our score in the world of illusion. Uh, For instance, do we have enough titles? Um, Do we have enough fame? What's the level of our income? Are we uh, judged as middle or high or upper high or low? We're all in the process of judging and keeping score. And what are the criteria for this score keeping? Well, it depends on your culture. Uh, in some cultures, the more pigs you have, the higher your score is. In some cultures, the more cows you have, the higher your score is. In some cultures, the more dollars you have, the higher your score is. But then there are some people who aren't interested in possessions. They keep score in a different way. What are your academic credentials? How many titles do you have following your name? How many books have you written? How many discourses have you given? How many pamphlets have you published. And then, of course, there are those who consider certain things of no value and other things of great value. So they judge all the ones that they don't consider valuable as less than, and they consider what they consider valuable as more than. Um, the great Hasidic sage, Rabbi Nachman of Bretzlaff, who wrote many stories and used to teach through stories, has this one amazing story about the different people in the world and how they classified each other. And it goes through classification after classification after classification. It's comedic. 
and then there's finally the classification of wealth. And you are either a, um, a hill, or a mountain, or a moon, or a star, depending on your level of wealth. And then every way, every year, you are audited to make sure that you maintained that status in your existence. How do we judge things? What are our criterias for judgment? Are we involved in judging? Do we pay obeisance to the world of praise and blame? When people tell us that we're terrific, are we happy? And when people tell us we're not terrific, are we sad? How is our emotional makeup controlled by how we're judged by others? You know, there are people who can't go out in public because they're afraid of being looked at and judged. What are the rules for the game that we play? That's a really important one. What are the rules for the game that we play? And how do we keep score in the game that we play? If we don't know the answer to that question, then we have allowed ourselves to be subject to the whims of whatever is going on around us. We've allowed ourselves to be subject to the nature of what other people are doing, and then we tend to fall into line with them. Do we have discrimination as to the games that we play and how we play them? Do we have a sense of discrimination as to the rules of conduct for ourselves? And by whose guidelines are we being judged? And by whose guidelines do we judge ourselves? In uh, Islam, there is something called the Asmal Husna. And the Asmal Husna is a compilation of the 99 names of Allah as set forth in the Quran. And each one of the names is a different quality. One of them, one of the names, is Haq. And Haq means reality. So, God is real. And what does it mean that God is real? What is God's reality? And what other realities are there out there that we give credit to, that we pay obeisance to, that we hold as being important? If you're going to be involved 
in God's reality, then you have to begin to understand the nature of God. And you have to understand the nature of what is not God. Now, if your reality is based on what is not God, then your reality is not based in Hak. It's based in Maya, in illusion. Now, the big question in our lives is how do we individually transfer our reality from illusion to not illusion, from maya to not maya, to hak, that which is real. Now, we've all known people who we can't rely on. We've all known people who, when they say something, don't mean it. They have no substance. They have no base. They have no idea that the words that come out of their mouth have some connection to them and that other people rely on them. Well, when you deal with this person long enough, you begin to realize they're like that. And people will say things, well, he's not real. You can't depend on him. Now, if you put your faith and your reliance on things in the world, soon you will find out that the things in the world are like the person you can't depend on. They dissipate. They disappear on you. They blow up. They have no consistency. They're not eternal. They have a span. And that span disappears. Hawk, on the other hand, has no span. Hawk has been around since before the beginning and will be around eternally. How do we make the transfer from the impermanent, from the illusory, from that which disappears to that which is eternal, to that which has been here before us and will be here after us? How do we join the eternal? All of us have known people who have passed. And one of the things that is evident, if you look around in the world, is that everybody disappears. It's just a matter of time. And they disappear. Now, no matter how much you love them or cared for them, their physical appearance is going to disappear. And you can't hold on to them. You can't bring them back. You can't make them stay. You can't alter the nature of the creation. That's outside of your hands. 
So what do we have to find? And what do we have to alter? <clears throat> and how do we have to change in order to go from that which disappears to that which is eternal? Well, one of the things that we should understand and notice rather quickly about the things that disappear is they're elemental. They're made up of the elements. And the elements have a way that when they interact, they can harm each other. They can destroy each other. Or they can be in some kind of unison with each other. But that unity only lasts for periods of time. Fire, for it to exist, needs to destroy something. Fire cannot exist unless it is consuming and destroying. People who have a lot of fire in them, people who are angry, have to consume they have to be they have to have something that they're angry at and what do they try to do with that anger they try to destroy that which they're angry at so someone who's full of anger tries to resolve his problems in the world through aggression most of the world tries to resolve its most difficult problems through aggression. This seems to be the way of the dunya, the dung heap, the world of illusion. If you can make it go away, if you can make it disappear, it's no longer in conflict with you. For instance... If I declare myself to be the only ruler, everybody and anybody who makes such a claim, I do away with them. This, by the way, is not an unusual situation in history. Uh, kings kill their sons, brothers kill their brothers, in order to maintain the hold on the crown. Countries that don't have crowns, also have conflicts. And there's always a fight for power. And that fight for power is aggressive. Um, in the U.S., for the most part, the ones fighting for power don't kill each other all the time. We've had our, our share of assassinations in this country and in every country. The fight for power and control is very severe. And it's very severe in our own lives. In the corporate structure, there's an immense fight for power and control. In local politics, there's fights for power and control. In business, there's fights for power and control. In academia, there's fights for power 
and control. Everywhere you look at, there's fights for power and control. We call that politics. Uh, I wrote a letter to Bauer once about uh, the fact that I didn't like where I was working. And the person that I was working with was not a good person and uh, he did things that were not indicative of someone who had a good character and Bauer wrote back to me and he said anytime you have two or more people in a situation you have politics and I was practicing law at the time and he said why don't you go out and open your own practice then you won't have to deal with anybody else and I did and thank God it worked and part of the reason that I went ahead and did it was because of the strength of my confidence in what he said if he said to do it I thought if I did it it would be okay and it was okay so we know that this world is a political place and we know that this world is full of aggression towards each other and accumulation of things. The constant accumulation of things. And those things that are accumulated are different for everybody depending upon their nature, on depending upon their culture, and depending upon how they view things. In the world where how many pigs you have is very important, uh, seashells may not be of much impact. But in a world where seashells are used as money and there are no pigs, there's a whole different way of looking things and a whole different way of collecting things. How do we collect things? What are we trying to collect? What are we, what is our obsession? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? Who are we? Who do we want to be? Do we do any study of ourselves? Do we ask, who am I? Do we look at these questions? In my experience... I have found that in order to get answers to these questions, we need some help. Why do we need help? Because the mind doesn't know the answers, and the mind runs in different directions, and the mind is capable of telling you almost anything. And the mind is wrapped up with your own sense of desire. So, because the mind doesn't know these answers inherently, and because the mind is wrapped up with your sense of desire, most answers that the mind gives you are somehow self-motivated, have something to do with enhancing your self. Why? The mind functions on the level of the elements. The mind is an element, 
and it functions on the level of the elements. <coughs> we need to bypass the elemental level if we're going to go to Hawk. Now, when I say Hawk and I say it's reality, that doesn't bring up any images necessarily. It just means something that's real. But let's look at the other names of God and let's look at the images that they bring up for us. Brahman and Rahim, mercy and compassion. Okay. Is mercy and are, is mercy and compassion elemental? No. Is it real? Yes. Can it accomplish things? Yes. Does it do things on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of others? Yes. When someone is merciful towards us or compassionate towards us, do we feel it? And does it change us? Well, there's certainly a difference in somebody being compassionate towards us and somebody being aggressive towards us. There's certainly, being a, there's certainly a difference in someone being kind towards us or being mean towards us. These are not difficult things to understand, but they are not elemental things. Both are not elemental. So, we have a set of elemental things that are hawk, non-elemental things, that are hawk, that are reality. And we also have a set of non-elemental things that are not godly. A set of elemental things that belong to Satan. Non-elemental things that belong to Satan. Anger is not godly. It's also not elemental. But it can become elemental. A tank is angry. It's certainly elemental. What we have to focus on is what is it that is eternal and is godlike so that we can go towards that which is eternal and that which is godlike. In God's mercy, in Allah's mercy, He has sent individuals into this world Walis, prophets, Ketubs, who have his qualities, yet they are seen in an elemental form. So, you can find people in this world, through God's mercy, who are the embodiment of mercy and compassion. The embodiment of God's qualities, the embodiment of salam, peace, the embodiment of shakur, generosity, the embodiment of what God does. And what does God do? He gives. They don't take. That's what separates these people. When you go to see them, they don't ask you for money. When you go to see them, they don't ask you for things. They're there to give to you. In my experience with my teacher, I saw a man who gave all day long, who never stopped giving. If something came into his hand, he gave it away with the other hand. He never held on to anything. He didn't need anything. 
he wasn't needy. He wasn't looking for you to help him. He was there to help you. He didn't need help. And why didn't he need help? Because he was satisfied. He had gotten to the point where he had enough. Whatever was given to him was enough. And what he needed couldn't be given to him by people. It was given to him by his connection to God. And the transference that happened between him and God was enough to satisfy almost all of his needs. So, in the world of dunya, you keep score. And mostly, you keep score by how much you have. Now, dependent on your inclination, how much you have of what, you can fill in the of what. But in the world of hak, in the world of reality, score is also kept. There are angels on both of our shoulders who record everything that goes on. And there's a judgment as to what we did and what we do. But how is score kept in the world of Hawk, in the world of reality? You get scored by how much you give away. So from this world to the next world, that which you can take with you, that which you can transfer into the next world is what you've given away. So if you've given away compassion, you get to take compassion with you. If you've given away mercy, you get to take mercy with you. If you've given away tolerance, you get to take tolerance with you. If you've given away peace, you get to take peace with you. That's what you become. You become what you give away of Allah's qualities. And that's what accumulates in your haq, in your reality. So we need to understand that there's more than one way to look at existence. And existence is not just about the elemental. And it's not about accumulating the elemental. It's about accumulating the non-elemental of God's qualities and becoming one through who, through whom those qualities can pass and do pass. If you have and are full of self-motive, if you need everything for yourself, God's qualities can't pass through you. You can't be merciful and aggressive simultaneously. You can't be a hater and a lover at the same time. Your love is tainted when you're a hater because your love is only self-love. Everything you do is for the self and you become self-righteous. La ilaha illallah. I do not exist. Only God exists. There is no righteousness in the self. The self doesn't exist. All that exists is Allah. 
And as long as we maintain to sustain ourselves, we are maintaining to sustain that which is illusory, that which isn't real. We need to be able to understand the shift. And as I sometimes say, there comes the point in your life when you've done all this acquiring that you can acquire and you look at yourself and you still see that there's an emptiness and something is missing and you say, my God, I've been a fool. But just because you've discovered you've been a fool doesn't mean you're still not one. It ain't just about finding out you're a fool. It's about doing something about it. It's about going on a path that takes us from foolishness to wisdom. That takes us from understanding the world of Maya and understanding the world of wisdom. And wisdom is the qualities of God. True justice only exists in Allah. And when we can be truly just, we reside within Allah. True love only comes from Allah. And when we learn about true love, we can reside in Allah. So, we need to alter our attitudes and our inclinations. We have to alter the way we look at things. And we have to surrender to that which is the truth. We have to surrender to reality, but not the reality that we imagine, the reality that is haq. And we have to surrender to the qualities that are Allah. We have to surrender to compassion. We have to surrender to mercy. We have to surrender to tolerance, peace, justice. We have to surrender to kindness. And in that, in that surrendering, an alteration happens in us and we become more than we were. Who am I? Am I tolerance? Who am I? Am I mercy? Who am I? Who can I be? Maybe that's the first question we should ask. Who can I be? Who can I become? What's the path that should be laid out for me? And what are the steps that I should take to go on that path? This door opens for us every day. And every day we have the opportunity to go and do something else to get closer to reality. But in our imagination, we see doors everywhere. And Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi said, stop knocking on open doors. Just go. Everything's available to you. Everything's available to you right now. All of the doors are open right now. When is the right time? This is the right time. There is no other time. In truth, we live in the moment. And if we put off the moment, we don't exist. 
The mind lives in the past and in the future. It doesn't live in the moment. But you live in the moment. And if you can put yourself into the moment, then you can get closer to Huck, closer to reality. Because that is the moment in every moment. It's the place without time and without place to go. How often have you been in a situation where all you're thinking about is what your next situation is going to be or what your previous situation was? How often are you in a moment when your concentration is fully into that moment and into what's going on in that moment with no thought of the future and no thought of the past? How often have you been in that place? And how easily can you go to that place? Do you know that worrying is the anticipation of future pain now? Worrying is thinking about what's going to happen, and it's going to be bad, and you feel that now. What good does that do you? And what's it accomplish? Allah has promised to be merciful. Think mercifully, not only towards others, but towards yourself. We must be merciful in every way. We must be merciful in every direction. We have to calm down and allow the truth to engulf us. We need quiet time in our life to allow reality to sink into us and for us to sink into it. Man is God's secret, and God is man's secret. Merge the secrets. Become at one. Surrender to the truth. Give up illusion. May it be easy for us, and may it be our path. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa